Hello and welcome to another episode of Dot Dot Doc. I'm Ian, your host, and I'm this week again. I'm joined by Matt. Hello. Hello. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Tiger King. You must have seen this on your Facebook, your Twitter, just the internet in general. If you kind of everywhere has got memes of this show, you should be watching it if you haven't seen it already. Um, Matt, you must have seen them everywhere as well. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the it's, it's it's kind of it's kind of taken over. Taking over the consciousness, well, to a degree, the consciousness of a, of the world in a time where you know there's you know kind of horrible things taking over the consciousness of the world right now. So it's uh, it's nice to have something else to think about. Yeah, stay indoors, stay safe, wash your hands, and watch Tiger King. Damn That's right, what you need to do. Damn right. So this came out just last, just over a week ago, um, March twentieth, yep. on Netflix. Um, and we're going to do this episode by episode. We're going to do episode one in this episode. Um, and we're going to try to get the podcast coming out as quick as possible. So there should be maybe one tomorrow and hopefully one each day if we can, um, depending on our lives and <laughs> all that. Anyway, um, Matt, what did you think of the first episode? Uh, really good. Um, like kind of eye-opening um to that world um but yeah i i, I enjoyed it uh yeah I, I not to the point of i i agree with uh you know any of these animals being caged the way they are and um but yeah i enjoyed it as a documentary um i've i felt within within the first 10 minutes it packs a punch and it draws you in like um you're like okay i it, it it didn't take long for me to go okay yeah i'm invested i'm i'm ready to watch the rest of this um so yeah i enjoy it as as a documentary um i i've enjoyed the first episode yeah i was just i don't know blown away there's so much that happens in the first episode uh there's just so much going on i'm like trying to make notes whilst going along it was just a nightmare i must it <laughs> To watch like a forty-five minute episode, it must have took me like an hour and a half. Yeah. Like I'm just kind of pausing, typing uh, up what's happened. It's just it's because it is. It's it's literally one thing after the other. It's um, you know, usually you'll find with uh, a lot of these documentaries, uh, it's fairly easy to talk about because it's usually a subject, one subject, one 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 kind of thing, and then everything moves around it. Whereas this just feels like it's it's covering the one subject of of these big cats uh, in captivity but it's everything around it is so out there as well that um well, i believe there's a point in in the episode uh where they say something like to understand what really went on here you could write books upon books about it to ever fully understand it um and i think i think that that makes a lot of sense from just from knowing what we know watching it i can definitely see that it's just i feel like within five years there'd be like a pit like a, a film about this with i don't know like will ferrell or something playing uh joe exotic um i, I don't know i mean who else like could play him um david spade yeah. all day mate david spade is perfect david for that spade. role well because of joe dirt 
<laughs> yeah, just just well, just because he, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't think um, Will Ferrell looks anything like him. I, I'd say Will Ferrell would be more for uh, Doc Bhagavan, really. Oh yeah, It'd be perfect for it. If you remember uh, Eastbound and Down, the character Will Ferrell played in there, a bit like a Ric Flair pro wrestling character. Um, but yeah, it's kind of that kind of same kind of long grayishy bleach blondy hair um yeah i could see him playing bagavan 100 percent. yeah i can actually you're right I, that's that's definitely definitely a better shout on that one i think <laughs> you know um yeah let's talk let's talk about joe so basically the documentary opens up with um the director talking about how it's the whole thing's taken him five years and that he it originally started with him investigating a reptile dealer in South Florida. And then like this guy shows up with like a snow leopard in the back of his like hot van. And he's like, well, what's going on there? So <laughs> kind, <laughs> so kind of sends he, him on the path, doesn't it? To, to yeah. want to understand uh, what, why people would want to keep big cats. And, you know, I was supposed to kind of delve into the minds of these people. Yeah, and he, uh, yeah, obviously goes to investigate all the major, I don't know, people who are keeping big cats across America. Yeah, um, I mean, it, which leads him. It's it says in in the documentary at that beginning bit um, that there are more captive big cats in the USA than there are big cats in the wild now, um, which speaks volumes. Like that, that kind of that paints a reality that is just kind of backwards and doesn't seem, doesn't seem right to me. Um, obviously doesn't seem right morally. I mean, um, you know, not doesn't seem right as oh that doesn't seem true. Um, but yeah, that, that, that can't be a good thing. No, I mean, and you think how much it must cost to, to feed, like, you know, these people just to feed them, like if they're in their back garden, mm-hmm. um, and they're trying to feed, like you know, they must be they must have a, a separate job just to feed this cat. Well, like, yeah, because to... it's it's like like you say, like it's not just these kind of wildlife people that are keeping them in in their kind of whether you call them zoos or sanctuaries or whatever. It's it's genuine everyday people that go out and do their normal jobs, and they're like, oh yeah, well, yeah, come down the road. I've got a pet lion. Oh, I've got a pet tiger. Like it's craziness like they, and i can't understand those people like i mean obviously you're going to be kind of talk of the town if if you own what one of these animals um and it's in your backyard or whatever you're going to be talk of the town um <laughs> don't go around matt's house he's got a tiger. yeah watch out <laughs> for the tiger like um but yeah it's um i i can't understand like is it that? Is it because, oh, yeah, that will make me popular? Or or is it a power thing? Is it, you know, like, you know, you get some people who, you know, get a kind of, I don't know, a mean breed of dog or whatever to give them a status. Like, they're walking down the street. No one's going to confront them or bother them because they have this, you know, animal that could inflict a lot of damage um is it that kind of thing as well is it is it a protection thing oh i've got stuff in there that needs protecting so therefore i'm gonna get a a lion 
or a tiger or a, you know no one's gonna no one's gonna try and break in then like it's 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 hard to understand um what makes somebody want a creature like that um and i do think it's a, st- a status thing yeah it's absolutely a status thing it's kind of like a power play it's like kind of like yeah i've you know, like I've got a tiger at home and something. Yeah. It's just like, and, and, the annoying thing is you can't walk it down the street. You wouldn't go like, oh, I'm just going to go to the no, shop exactly. and leave it outside. Well, yeah, the moment, the moment it leaves that uh, <laughs> enclosure, um, you know, it's fair game for the, the police and the authorities to come and take control. And sadly, if that is to happen, the animal then dies um, in most cases uh, through a fault of a human being, um, which you know, is part of the reason why it is so wrong as well, because, you know, these people aren't thinking, thinking about the animal. It's, and I, and I imagine as well, you know, these people that, that have this, this big cat in their backyard or whatever, they, they probably explain to people, I'm such an animal lover. I I love these cats, you know, they're, they're my world. And it's like, kind of doesn't go hand in hand with what you're doing there. No, I don't. I didn't so much agree with it. I feel like it's just kind of, it's yeah, it's like a just just a massage kind of ego, and you know, it's cruel on the pet. I think. Yeah, it shouldn't even be called a pet. It shouldn't be called. You shouldn't have like a lion. That's, a it's pet. a wild <laughs> animal. Like it, it would, it, whether you're its owner or not. Given the chance, and it's hungry enough, it will eat you. Like it will eat you, or it will attack you, and even if it's playing the power of these animals just a playful swipe could mean uh, a loss of an eye a loss of a limb um you know and the animal may not even be doing it out of aggression it could be out of play but these animals play with other animals their weight their size their ferocity um so yeah like they're kind of um a lot of these people are asking for the dangers that uh, come their way. Let's move on to Joe. So Joe is such a character. Um, it just, I mean, kind of when he comes in, he's um, calling from, uh, was it jail or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like he's talking about how they're gonna put, they're gonna possibly put him away for seventy nine years. They're gonna like you know threaten him with seventy nine years in jail. Yeah. Um. It, and then it kind of it sounds like 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 he wants to like it's it's a, it's a setup for the whole documentary of um like I'm here, but I want to tell you my story or my side of the story. Um. Like he he, he says at one point, you know. Uh, let let me tell you this and by the time i'm finished you'll be saying to yourself what why why the hell is this man in jail um so it, fe- it feels like he's he's out to prove something yeah it sounds like he's been set up or um or you know he like isn't then it goes into five years before mm-hmm. where it shows you him uh Running the GW Zoo, which is the Greater Winwood uh, Exotic, uh, was it Greater Winwood uh, Exotic Animal Park? Yeah. Um, oh, and 
one thing I need to talk about for sure quickly is he wears this cap, like an SW cap, um, throughout the whole thing. And I looked into what this was because it was driving me crazy. I had to look it up. What was this Seth Wadley? Right. Um, and it's a car dealership. All right. So, so if you think it's like anything to do with like a zoo or whatever, or like the reason why, because I thought it might be related to the name of the zoo somehow, but. No, it's just it a random was... hat he probably got free. <laughs> no, but he has he has multiple ones of these. Like, there's different ones. He's got all different colours and stuff like that throughout the whole um, episode and stuff. Yeah, but and... I mean, for all we know, has he, has he done some, like, promo work for their dealership with a big cat sat on the car or something like that, you know? <laughs> like, because even throughout this first episode, you, you kind of come to understand that Joe, Joe has to find certain ways of of making money um in order to carry on with his zoo um through other things that come about you know like his music videos (laughs) (laughs) which are just like it completely threw me completely threw me like there was at first i thought that cannot be him really singing i was like this is some like He's put a video out there and had some country singer, you know, sing over, sing over it for him um, to make him sound remotely good. Um, because his singing voice, like, oh, well, I know a lot of people singing voice doesn't sound like their natural voice. Um, but yeah, t- very, very different. Um, but not bad. I, I'm, I'm no massive country music fan, but. Uh, you know, lyrically maybe not fantastic, um, but it kind of all seems to revolve around his lifestyle. Um, it's, it's. I do. I know what you mean. He doesn't. It doesn't feel like it matches him, or no. like it does feel. It does feel like he's kind of just singing along to some other country song. But it's, it's his life for sure, from what I can see. Um, and it, it's, it's great. It's. I love seeing like the little snippets of his music videos and like. Um, it mentions at one point when he goes into the gift shop, um, he's had two albums and uh, the two albums being I Saw a Tiger and Starstruck. Uh, and there's 28 songs and 16 music videos, <laughs> um, which I need to watch. I need to watch all those music videos. Yeah, same. Um, it's, um, so he runs an internet show like you find out he runs an internet show and it looks like he got help from a guy called uh rick kirkham yeah um, well, it, he's the... it looks like it kind of started off as um or it, it, <laughs> at least throughout um like how how it's portrayed here it looks like it started off as him him kind of uh doing it on his own and it not really getting a lot of traction um I, I believe that Rick guy uh, says he, he had maybe 80 viewers at a time, um, which, you know, to some people is probably quite a large number. But in comparison to, to you know, big zoos and things, I imagine they get a ton of a lot more. But it comes across that it was kind of, uh, you know, like the word rinky dink. Like it, it, it was a bit uh, amateur. Um and so this this guy came in because he'd 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 helped produce TV shows before. So he, I guess, he offered to Joe like, I I can make the I I can garner you more viewers uh, by by making this look more like a more professional TV show. 
Yeah, and he says he does it like every day and like six PM. And what's crazy about it is it kind of just you know if he's doing this to promote his zoo, it's quite like him just ranting rant on about stuff. Like one of the guys in the documentary says that nine to ten, sh- nine out of ten shows was about animal rights people and Carol down in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> who, who, who we'll find out more about. Yeah, you'll find out about Carol Baskin in just a bit. Um, but yeah, it, but... It, it 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 appears it appears that he he probably started out making making this uh, internet TV show as a way of promotion, self promotion, and uh, you know a, a way to get his zoo or his his reserve or whatever you want to call it his zoo. Um, his zoo out there and put on the map uh, in order to, you know, garner more visitors to collect more money uh, to enable him to carry on doing <laughs> what he's doing in a, in a big way. Um, but you kind of get the impression with Joe that, that he really started to enjoy the, the kind of, uh, miniature fame that came along with what he was doing like he's clearly a showman there's no doubt about that he's he's so eccentric he seems larger larger than life 100 percent. like if if you didn't know this was a documentary you you would believe he was a written character um because he is (laughs) he's just so out there um but yeah i i it it feels like the the fame possibly started to go to his head um and then he was he was using this show more as a, a vehicle to rant um yeah. and to to express his displeasure with what animal rights activists were were trying to do to him like it it it, it feels like he doesn't understand the the nature of these people maybe doing this because they they don't believe it's right with what he's doing uh, by keeping these animals caged, but he it feels like he sees it more of an attack on on his life on 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 his income on on what puts food on his table, um, which to a degree anyone can understand. You know, like we, we we've all got to pay our bills, we've all got to eat. And we all have our passions. Um, and then if someone, if you felt like like someone was attacking that, you, you would kind of go on the back foot and and become defensive uh, because you, you'll you defend what you love. Um, so it, it does feel like, like there's a lot of crossed wires between, between him and all these groups. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it, it just feels like he has he has a bug to bear with with them, and it definitely sounds like he used this op- the the opportunity um, of this show to rant and to to paint his picture of the way he sees things. Yeah, it seems like he's got a lot of bad blood with like a lot of people, and it feels like from the in the show, all we've seen of it, like in the show, it's kind of it's not so much him and his animals; it's him just ranting on about people. Yeah. Um, but let's, uh, yeah, I mean, like if, if you, <laughs> if you were a fan of, um, you know, a big fan of big cats and you were like, oh, wow, this, uh, this guy, 
Joe is uh, doing a an internet TV show, and he's an owner of of one of these places. Oh, you know, I'll be able to learn so much from this. And then it says Tim <laughs> shouting at a camera about the people he hates. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> it's just it's so out there, so out there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, like little kids tuning in. Oh, I want to f- see the tigers and, <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and it's like just him, like shooting the dummy, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, full on. Yeah, it's yeah. craziness. It is. It's 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 craziness in a in 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 film. Um, yeah, it's recorded craziness. Um, like it's um. It reminds me a lot of a, a documentary film, um, The Grizzly Man. Um, if anyone's seen it, if not, I would definitely suggest it. It's it's a fantastic film slash documentary. Um, but there's a, a moment in that where the main character does this huge, huge rant to the camera um, along the same kind of lines against like people who are trying to attack his um his way of life and the way he sees things um and it massively massively reminded me of that it's a great documentary yeah definitely check that out um we'll probably do that at some point actually that might be one to do in the future yeah, definitely worthwhile um, so joe reveals a bit about his life um he's like we get introduced to his uh husband uh john finley or john yeah john finley uh he had quite a, like you know a rough upbringing. Um, I mean, Joe, not not John. Yeah, um, he kind of says, doesn't he, that he he realised. I, I think he said he realised that he was gay. Um, uh, was it eight eight years old? No, it's thirteen. Oh, yeah. sorry, thirteen. 13. Yeah. Um, and and what was it? Uh, his his father uh, made him shake his hand in front of his mum after finding out. Um, shake his hand on not turning up to his funeral because, because of this, uh, which is kind of, well, you know, that's, that's dark. Like that's enough to, you know, really, really hurt a person. Um, I don't know if it was related, but he, what drove his car off a bridge. Yeah. I mean, the way, the way, the way it's put in there, at least it, it sounds, it sounds very much so like, you know, that kind of, that broke him. Like if you, if your own parents can't, um, can't kind of take you as you are, um, then that's kind of heartbreaking, uh, because you know, your parents of all people are supposed to be your supporters, um, through thick and thin. Uh, and yeah, so like you say, he, um, drove, went and drove his car off a bridge and what, what was the injuries he had? He uh, broke his back and then spent five years in braces. I don't know if um, him walking around with a crutch is anything to do with well, that. I don't know if that's related. Do, do you know, like, um, as as I watched it, I kept thinking to myself, what's the crutch all about? I was like, is it just for mm. effect? Um, but I also noticed he's got knee braces on as well. Um, yeah. Uh, which are usually for, like, when you've had back problems or well he's had more than a back problem um yeah obviously because it all affects your legs and things um so yeah i i i because there's even like i noticed after re-watching the first episode again here like um and after again hearing the fact of him breaking his back 
and then you you even see the because there's often there's often times he's walking without without the crutch um and you can see in the way he's walking that he's had a major major injury um so i, I think that speaks for itself yeah because you would assume that he got like bitten by a tiger or something like that but I, I, it might be just something that he's always had it's kind of it's hard to tell because you see him walking about without it he normally puts his crutch down and you see him walking about yeah and i mean ov- obviously we're we're we can only go off of what either joe or the documentary is telling us so i mean you know it it could very well come out uh that you know tiger bit into his back or something um but again, we can only go off the truth that is told to us through this. Um, so I guess we kind of got to go with that. So Joe went round different like uh, shopping centres and was performing with the animals. And uh, I mean, originally it started off at schools, I think. Yeah. And it was like him. Uh, yeah, going around and like kind of basic telling kids, get off drugs. Here's here's a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> little cub um and it moves on to uh was it mystical magic of the endangered and it was like him with various animals um yeah just doing magic and stuff and he was make, like uh his husband uh john was saying that they would raking in like about 10 grand every time they yeah. went every to one of these things and um they were going like a massive truck and there was like what loads of animals in there with like 14 crew. And it was just, I know a lot of people disagreed that, you know, I mean, it was like really confined space. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you could put it on par, I guess with, um, I, I, I'd like, it's like the yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I'd like to hope yeah. it doesn't still happen these days, but I'm sure it probably does. Um, but especially in, in, in the olden days uh in times of old um you would you'd get traveling circuses that would do basically the same type of thing um and obviously way back when you know possibly people didn't see anything wrong with it um it was more of a wonder um whereas you know i like to think now that the world's kind of got to a place where where you know these these animals aren't aren't just merely objects for for our desires um so obviously uh by doing that you know people are going to have issues with that i i think whether you were a <clears throat> whether you were an animal rights activist or not to have have these huge beasts that are usually uh acclimated to a you know a vast vast space of wild land for them to roam to then be put into a you know a very very small enclosure in the back of a truck or a van um yeah not good and completely uh an un- a completely unnatural setting for for that type of animal yeah, which obviously gets the backup of loads of animal activists, um, which leads us to Carol Baskin. Um, so Carol Baskin runs uh, Big Cat Rescue. It's like a an animal sanctuary for you know cats that have been uh, taken from circuses or just you know seized from else elsewhere. Um, yeah, so effectively, like places like Joe has, um, where where he has 
you know, big cats in, in captivity uh, to do shows and, and whatnot. She believes that cats, these these cats or any of these kind of exotic animals, you know, shouldn't be used for personal gain, I, I, I suppose. Um, for entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, you know, they should they should be. It's kind of tough because it comes across that the, her way of thinking is that these cats should be in the wild. They shouldn't be in captivity. But it kind of comes across and I, I believe Joe even says this about her. Um, it kind of comes across slightly hypocritical um, in the way she's doing things like, like you, you, you can do nothing but commend her in her actions in, um, you know, trying to, trying to put forward new rules, uh, I, I guess to, um, to the government, I guess, um, in in terms of laws on 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 keeping uh, these these animals uh, as either pets or 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 to be used for like per- personal gain and uh, entertainment purposes. Um, so I, I commend her for that most definitely. Um, but she's effectively taking them from or at least how, how it appears um, she's effectively taking them from one cage and putting them into another. Um, the only real difference being is that she's, she's not using them to do like kind of shows, magic shows and things. Um, she's not taking them out to shopping malls uh, to put on shows uh and she it it's a, it's more like what we would call a zoo here where you literally you go and you just you can look at the animals through these like uh fences or cages or gates and and her her way of thinking is she 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 brings them into these cages so they can live out the rest of their life until they die like kind of peacefully but she's still got a, a reserve, a park, a, 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 like these, these are still being viewed um, like how they wouldn't be in the wild. You know, I guess unless you've got a um, a safari or something like that, um, but it's still completely different um, because the, the safari, you know, a safari is, is on the animal's territory um, and it's not a case of they're locked into it. It's just where they are. And you know, jeeps and cars and things will go and look, um, you know, when it comes to like Africa and places like that or Kenya. Um, so yeah, there is, or at least for me, there, there is a slight hint of hypocrisy about the whole thing, but at the same time, it, it feels, it feels like she's trying to push for, I guess for a better a better life, so these animals aren't captured, then to be sold. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind I, of murky waters with her. Yeah, I um, I did feel like that as well. I mean, I've watched I watched this first episode twice now, and I the first time I watched it, I thought, wait, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing as Joe. Like you're putting these animals in cages, having people come around, giving them little tours and stuff like that. But if anything, you're not paying your stuff you're they're all volunteers 
And but even that, even that though, that kind of that kind of reeks a little bit of so. Okay, so she's not paying the staff; they're all volunteers because you know they're they're animal lovers. Um, so you know, obviously, there's a lot of people that would jump at the chance to be able to work with these kind of animals. Um, but one, that's not natural in itself. It's no more natural than someone being paid to do that. But also, there's a kind of hint of, okay, so is she just raking in all of that money for herself? Or is, you know, if if it was a case of, okay, this place is open and all of the money that comes into it then goes on to, you know, uh, protection programs throughout the world for these animals, then then fair dues. Like, there's, there's some good coming out of that. But I don't believe we, unless you have heard any different, I, um, but I don't believe it says that in this first episode at all. Uh, I mean, it doesn't say anything about where the money goes and stuff and people are volunteers. Um, but I, one thing I did think, though, was... Like, because she still charges I, 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 for people to go there. Yeah, I, I realised what the difference is between her and Joe is Joe breeds the animals so people can, like, you know, pet them and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, uh, he, he has cub petting. Um, whereas she's dealing with the animals that like people have like don't want anymore because they can't you know you can't pet these animals you can't um have them out and about like around people because they're past the age yeah. um because in the documentary they mentioned that you can only really have cub petting from the first couple of weeks of the, the cub's life to 12 weeks and after that they start getting like you know bitey yeah, and yeah. scratchy and stuff like that and they will like attack you mm. Um, and again, and... again, it might not be in terms of the animal attacking, it, it, especially at a young age. It's probably an animal playing, but these animals are a lot more, uh, you know, a lot stronger than your average human, um, and especially yeah. a child. Um, so these animals could be literally, uh, you know, say swiping out with their paw out, out of fun, thinking it's play. Um, but again, if you've got like a five-year-old child or something and you know one of these one of these cats does that to them it's obviously it's going to cause some damage um but again not not by the cat wanting to do the damage but by it not knowing its own strength not knowing the the difference between like its strength and this child's strength so to speak yeah and these cats have been raised in captivity they don't (laughs) They've just been like thrown their food. I I don't know if they have. Um, I mean, it's kind of like nature nurture, isn't it? It's kind of you don't know how they're going to be around people. Are they going to revert back to how? Yeah, I mean, I I'm a, I'm a strong, uh, rather strong believer in kind of like animal instincts. Um, so wh- whether they're um, you know raised in captivity straight away from a cub or not, I I think with animals you've in the back of your head that you, you've always got a you know almost almost be looking over your shoulder to well i've always heard never turn turn your back on a tiger um because that's there it's almost like a um a trigger point for them to to stalk um to stalk their prey i don't know if you've ever seen any videos from uh, like zoos and things um and it's literally people will be sat there say it's like a 
uh, I don't know whether it be perspex glass or what. Um, but you'll you'll find there's a lot of videos on YouTube of like people at zoos and that. And what they'll do, they'll go up to the glass and then they'll literally like turn their back and sit. And then you watch straight away within seconds the uh, tiger basically like start stalking and ready to pounce and it will lunge at the window um because that's it's 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 a part of their mechanism um and i don't believe that that goes away i think that's built in them if you could like take these cats and rather than putting them back in cages release them back into the wild like they'd probably stand a less of a chance of survival because they've just not known that world but I, I think they would still know how to hunt and like because I just think that is naturally built into them. I don't know. I think that's maybe why they're in the cages here, like why they're not just released back and like flown to the wild, put into the wild. I, I maybe that's why she hasn't released them. Well, it's, it could be that. Um... It could be because that would just then by doing that, you would be putting even more stress onto that animal by. You know, because it's not just a case of, oh, well, it's wild over the road, so we'll just put them there. It's a case of, yeah. you know, this, this animal would more than likely have to be knocked out, um, you know, with a dart or whatever. I don't know what they use. Um, and then be, I guess, boarded onto a plane or a, a boat of some sort. And it's just, I guess, to a degree, especially if these, uh, if these animals are kind of aging now, um, that stress alone could possibly kill them, I guess. I don't know. I'll look it up for next episode, I think. That's my plan. I'll look it up and see what happens when you take a tiger that's been like raised in captivity and then put it into the wild, if, if it can happen, if there's a, a certain point where it can't survive on its yeah. own anymore. Um, but it, yeah, I'll look it, it up. I mean, that would definitely episode. be interesting, especially um, especially to <laughs> kind of help to understand like uh carol's uh conviction um like and why 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 if you have such an affinity for these animals because there's no doubt about it in this episode you you are under the understanding that she is pretty obsessed with big cats yeah she's got like all of her clothing is like kind of cat print clothing yeah and uh She's. I know it's weird. She basically she, like, has her a... own Superman room, if you if you if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, from yeah from the last doc we did. Oh no, date the doc before. Um, Confession Superhero. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's ba- it's but... basically a like a. It feels like pretty much everything she owns is is either, uh, animal print or. There's there's a there's a hundred percent an obsession there. Yeah, but which is really weird because, like, she mentions it's like really quick. I didn't notice on the first watch, but she says that she's allergic to cats. Yeah, I don't. It's one thing I did feel strange about this is I don't know if it's me thinking this or if it's if I'm how I'm meant to feel like it. But she's kind of almost portrayed as like the villain in this. Um, it, it feels like it, but I I, I think to a degree. It kind of, it kind of sets up on that note at the very beginning when when you're seeing Joe um, or hearing Joe uh, from prison, um, and he he states there about about Carol or, or well no it states it states why he's in prison, um, yeah. 
So effectively, right away, and from going from that, then on to showing Joe five years earlier, and it's kind of this like almost like this like lovable rogue. Like it's just you know, it's other than the animal side of things, um, which you know, obviously every everyone has ha, can have their own opinion on on that. Um, but as a character, he's kind of just. I don't know whether it feels like he's portrayed in a better light or whether he's just so eccentric that it's it's hard to see beyond that. Um he's a lot more likable, isn't yeah, he? Like in terms yeah. of it comes it comes across like instantly likable. Exactly. Kind of, and then and then it goes yeah. from that to her. So I I think there's there's an air of something with that, like because you're already under the impression that okay, so five years from now he's in jail for for trying to get her killed but you can't really uh, it's it's tough but i i do agree like from the get-go there's an there's an air about her and i don't know if it's her or whether it's the way it's being filmed like there's there's times where you you could you could put like some like evil maniacal music over her scenes and it would just fit perfectly in the in the way it seems to be filmed and her her expressions as well like um you get a lot of rolling eyes um with her and especially with certain like there's times where she says certain things and her eyes go that way and i'm like is that like a a tick is that kind of a you know is is that is that telling of anything about her I it, it it's very it's very tough to call with her because like on on the surface what she's doing I guess in comparison is is better um but like she is I, she, yeah she's doing it for the the right reasons though like overall like I mean she is looking after I guess probably elderly cats that can't go into the wild but, it, but this is the thing they they never say that they never no. say that so it's it's very hard to actually distinguish that point um and it, it does it, it comes off very very hypocritical like in one scene she's like in a cage doing a scene like in this little cage as if she's a caged animal and she's explaining to the camera um you know what how terrible it is for animals uh, exotic animals to be kept in cages and as she's saying it directly behind her in her place is a caged tiger so it it's just tough and i i don't know whether you know it could be a case of the the documentary maker saying asking her can you can you do this bit from that cage you know and then and then it it looks worse but i don't know if if he's directed her to do that or whether she's wanting to do that because it comes across as well like like she really likes to be complimented on what she's doing like it, it feels like she she needs to be or she she wants people to reassure her of what she is doing is right it reassure her, but it means even more to her that she that that they're saying it to her on camera. Like I get that air about her very much. So, 
I mean, there is that air of mystery to her from, as, as you said and stuff. Um, but I don't know. It's I think it's because for the most of the documentary up to this point, it's Joe kicking off about Carol hating her, and like I think it's through his lens that is painting her in that light. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. But uh, I I do agree, <laughs> but I also it's very tough to tell because it it really. It, it's hard to know without knowing the motives of the filmmaker um, and whether they're being completely impartial or whether they're taking sides. Um, so it's, it's difficult that... to tell for me. Like I, I, some, like I, I trust my gut instincts. Um, I, I think it's important to trust gut instincts in life. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's just something, but again, I I, I don't know whether the, that's just because it's being portrayed in that light, or whether it is just a gut something telling me no, there's something not right here. Joe and her are like quite similar people in that sense, like as in they both wear like cat print stuff. They're both kind of I see. I feel uh, they are, but I don't feel that Joe. I feel that <laughs> I feel that Joe's more obsessed with himself than he is yeah. with the cats whereas i feel she at least in this in this first episode she comes across that she like she has a massive obsession with the cats themselves yeah i mean but then if yeah the and if, you, if you're obsessed with something then having them in kind of your backyard you know that like it just a lot of it doesn't add up to me like it it feels like and like from i guess from joe's perspective as well um that it, it feels like she kind of wants all of the pie when it comes to these animals she doesn't want to share and i i i think that's the impression that joe gets um most definitely and i i guess you could look at it in that way as well yeah, because it shows that uh, she has been kind of sabotaging his shows on when when he was on the road doing the magic thing. Um, she would like get her followers to send bombard the the shopping centers with like loads of emails saying like, "Oh, we don't want uh, you know mistreatment of animals and stuff coming to this place," and like that essentially ended the road show for him completely. Didn't yeah. It? Let's talk about the other person in the documentary, the other major player, anyway. In it, um, <laughs> was it Doctor Bagavan Antle? Doc, just um, Doc. Doc, just Doc. We're calling Doc. From Why do you keep on. calling him um, Doctor? Because he he refers to himself as Doctor. He says, "Oh yeah, it's Doctor Bagavan Antle." Uh, I'm sure he just says Doc. Yeah, Bagavan B H A G A B A N Antle A. A N T L E. He's um, he's he's very like he comes across as like extremely professional. Like that's I guess that's the only way I could describe like um, control freak. That's what he sounds. He feels like me. Control freak. Um, He's he's definitely um, created his own little universe um, that he is kind of boss of um like he says what it's... goes yeah but like it's my favorite part about the whole thing is the, the 
the documentary filmmaker must have thought, fucking hell, this guy uh, is has is just directing us. He's directing us. He's kind of calling the shots. Like, uh, so they just left all that bit in. So that's what's funny about it. It's, there's bits where he he's suggesting what shots they should. Oh do. yeah, where where he's, he's like, out. right, we'll we'll go to my house and I'll open the door to you, and and then we'll go from there. And he's like, Are you okay. <laughs> uh, this yeah, and he left, and they left that in there. They left. Like all the parts where it's him talking, it's him kind of suggesting how it should yeah. go. He's very much a. He's trying to create his own wants... narrative. Yeah, but he's trying to control his image. Oh, completely, oh, of course. But they've left. Of course, it. I. They from from what you see on that, like I, I, I'd very much like to see what uh, what he's like when the red light isn't on. Because oh, yeah. it, it is very much like he he almost almost has. Um, it feels like he has a persona for when he's being viewed. Um, whereas in, you know, contrast to say Joe, like Joe is just out and out Joe. Like what you see is what you get. Like, <laughs> like he, he, he seems, you know, for, for good or for bad, you know, whatever way you want to look at it. But, you know, it, it does come across with Joe. Like it's very much what you see is what you get. Whereas Bhagavan, it feels uh very contrived like 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 you said like a control freak like like he is the master of his domain he will he is in control of what goes out about him yeah it just i just feel it's it's crazy it's like for him it's just kind of like where he's looking at the bit from where he's on uh was it jay jay leno and he's like kind of just kind of the way he's saying it it's kind of he's presenting i guess he's kind of always he's always like in the in the showmanship anyway but because like a lot of his animals are like used in like lots of films so imagine he's probably picked like picked that up because he's oh, like yeah, oh definitely. yeah, I've yeah on definitely like it, it becomes it becomes <laughs> again like an, another um kind of status thing or a status thing um like oh well i've worked in movies you know me and my cats have worked in movies who are you you're below me <laughs> I've worked. I've worked. I've worked on Ace Ventura. Who the hell are you? <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So his work it basically it sounds almost as if 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 you've seen a kind of wild animal in a film that isn't CGI um, or puppetry, then more than likely it's come from from Bhagavan. Yeah, and one thing I know. One thing it's said on uh, the doc is that he has it so that the he wants the animals to live in like like without cages they're like just roaming about on their own so he has like quite a quite a lot of land it's um was it Myrtle yeah. Beach and... I mean I mean from the get-go you can tell that he is um you know he's a, a powerful man in terms of money um but then I guess you know through working on all these movies and things that alone would create a a, a pretty vast income um and then I suppose if, you know, if you do a good good job on one movie, you know, no one gets hurt, you know, everyone's happy, <laughs> no faces ripped off, um, then yeah. you're going to get called back for another movie and another movie and another movie. Um, you know, and uh, you, you, could, you could look at that as almost the same as what Joe's doing um, with his magic shows, I guess, um, because it's it's unnatural. It's... It's not normal. Yeah, yeah, they may be tame, um, but 
you know, bringing a a wild a wild tiger or a lion and a big cat onto a film set. That's not a natural setting for one of these animals. Um, so you could say is kind of just as bad as Joe in terms of 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 how he's exploiting the animals for personal gain. I I don't know. I think he's 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 doing it in a more profitable way because there's uh I you know in the documentary it mentions like how much it costs from like and he says it costs from three hundred thirty nine uh dollars. Oh, what to to to, to go and see his animals. Yeah, to go and see his animals, right? So I looked up and I went onto his website mm-hmm. and I looked on there, and without a digital fo- uh, photo package, uh, participants, which is um, for like a wild encounters <coughs> uh, day safari tour without photos, it's three hundred and thirty nine quid, um, and then it goes up and up and up uh, as as it goes on. So he's he must be making the most money out of oh, all yeah, those. I'm sure, people. he's absolutely um, raking absolutely. Um. It's but you see you see a scene with him like coming out like on an elephant, like on the back of an elephant. Yeah, yeah. And like, and <laughs> it, it comes across like he is like like just the look of him. You can tell again. It's a power thing. <laughs> it's uh, look at me up here. Like this is my beast. I've tamed it, and now I'm riding it. Like it's um. <laughs> It's, it's very strange. Do you reckon he does? Do you reckon he does that every time? I don't know. Maybe I, I, it, it like, wouldn't. Every tour, every tour. It, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put yeah. past him. Like if you were going to one of those things, like to see, uh, you know, a, a fully grown adult on the back of a huge elephant <laughs> walking towards you. That's not something you see every day, is it? So. Um, no. Just as much as, again, a comparison to Joe, as much as Joe loves the kind of limelight, I think Bhagavan does as well. Maybe, maybe oh, even more so, but just kind of more subtly. Yeah, because there's... Um, because I feel like, yeah, he's definitely... He, his whole place has like a kind of a Disney mm. vibe, doesn't it? It's It feels like... Um, I don't know if you... If you ever been to Disneyland, the way they kind of do their little tours or they do things like that, it's always done in this kind of way where it has someone going, "Oh, hi," and then like it has someone kind of coming out of nowhere, going, "Oh, look, it's Bubbles the elephant," and you know, Bagavan <laughs> on the back of him. Um, Can I tell and, you one thing that yeah. I really do dislike about him? His little soul yeah. patch. Little oh soul my patch. god! Uh, shave it off, man. Shave it off! What is that? Like it's that's that's offensive. That's offensive to me. <laughs> no, but he obviously it's weird. He's it's like night and day difference for what he used to look. Yeah, like. yeah. He, like you <laughs> see, you see photos of him, don't you? When he was younger, and he looks like a kind of uh, like like vagabond, like hippie, like looks like straight yeah, out he, of the seventies. Yeah, yeah. It does look kind of crazy and there's like a bit where there's like a sword like there's like a sword there as well and yeah i I think you can tell um, as well from those pictures of old of him that um that money has definitely come into his life since like in a rather big way like he he comes across like extremely corporate like very um uh what's the word like 
almost like overly polished is the only way I could describe it. Like, um, and, and whether that's like polished, polished so much that it hides things possibly. Um, I, I don't know. Like obviously, you know, read into the documentary what you will. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, He's a strange one. He's a strange one. Yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes with him. It's just... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see, I guess. But I feel like if if you look at the kind of... If you look at Joe and you look at him, it's kind of polar opposite to how it could be. Like, whereas I think Bhagavan is kind of making a lot of money. Like, he's doing it in a way where it's kind of like it's out and about. I don't think... I can't... I mean, he still has... Like, he still has cub yeah. in. Um, which is frowned upon, but other than that, like it, it's quite in the you know out and about, like well, that, in the wild. Well, well that's um, it. Like they have with, space with the with the around. cub petting. Like you, you come to understand that, um, like let's say Carol um, and her group, like uh, they appear to be completely against that. Um, which uh, you know, I, I, I'm guessing most like kind of animal rights people and animal rights activists uh, would probably say the same um uh but joe and uh Bhag- bhagavan um they 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 both they both paint a different picture and they 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 um they say that by by introducing someone to these animals um it it creates an almost uh, a bond and a, a real life feeling of okay, like like I've now held one of these babies. I don't want these babies to die, so therefore, now I've had that connection with them. I'm I'm willing to do more to help them because sadly, you know that you know there are people that will just go out and try to help with without needing that. But sadly, in this world, you know it might take something like that to to really push some people to believe you know that they want to help um so you can see the two sides of it but at the same time it is completely unnatural to be petting a, a tiger cub um as a human so uh, yeah it's um you do definitely get two different contrasts I think that's bullshit overall. Like in terms of, I think they're doing the whole thing where, oh, uh, you pet the, you see the little um, cub and you're like, oh, it's, it's going to save the rain, rainforest overall. But they've, they've made that cub. They've like had that cub. They basically really. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry. No, I, I understand. So that, that cub's not from the wild. Yeah, I get what yeah. you're saying. Like the thing is, the cub petting phase is only what maximum of twelve yeah. weeks. Like, uh, I mean, that's I'm not even twelve <laughs> weeks. It's probably like eleven weeks. But Joe or someone said that they would make like a hundred thousand dollars within that time just on this oh, one yeah. cub. They're not gonna. They're gonna constantly breed these animals, and that's why Carol has such a big problem with it because, like, they breed these animals. They um, at the end of it, they're like, "Hey, uh, if you want to buy one of these, you know." <laughs> Uh, ones that have gone past the point of no return for us, like people are like, yeah, you know, I, I love little Joey the the <laughs> cub. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Joey home with me. And obviously, it gets out of hand. Like Carol has to pick up the pieces, and 
like she can't house them all because like um doc Antle, he says that per cub no not per cub per tiger per year it's ten thousand dollars to feed mm-hmm. each one um which is yeah, insane so how, when you think oh about yeah, like how I mean, much. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, there's no doubt about it in my mind that they're doing the cub petting. Like, in reality, they're they're doing it to make money. Of course, they are. Um, it's it's one of yeah. it's one of their offered like gimmicks of their their reserve. Um, so of course, you know, if you can charge a lot of money for something that. And you have the opportunity to do so, and if your morals aren't quite, you know, up to scratch with maybe the rest of the world, then of course they're going to do that. So yeah, I totally understand that they're they're using what they're saying by oh the connection, you know, will create people to want to go out and and save these animals. I, I totally understand that they're saying that as a as a, a line of defence. I can see why they're in the wrong, though, overall. Those, like, if anything, they are, I mean, as likable as they are and all that, they are essentially the villains of the documentary so far in terms of they they have bred this animal just so they can make money off it, and then it doesn't matter where it ends up. That's the end, you know, like... uh, so you gotta think. As much as Carol comes across like she, she, she's, like she's, she isn't, she yeah, isn't yeah. right. I, I suppose she's... you could say um, that in terms of uh, of the practices that the, the three of these people do, she to a degree has the moral high ground. Um, I, I could definitely agree with that. Um, but what would be more interesting to me would be to find out what would happen to these animals like like can these animals be re-released into the wild or failing that like because you with carol you don't at this point at least you don't really get to see a lot of the actual reserve um like so like how big is it like are, are these animals in wild spaces and the cage part is just like a a border like a barrier between obviously the humans and the animals, but do they have like basically uh, a full like safari sized piece of land that they're able to roam freely? So, but I I do wonder if that's the case because if if that were the case and you were bringing people in to pay and see these animals, if they're two miles away down at the watering hole, then you ain't going to see anything at the, at the side of the cage. So I, I yeah, we'll we'll look into we'll look into I, this I, and I find out what I do think it's tricky to really I think to a degree from from this first episode, like I, I can totally agree that um that out of the three, Carol is in a sense, she's, you know, she is saving these animals, especially from these, like, you know, like one-time owners. Like, oh yeah, I've got a a lion in the in the backyard in a you know five foot five foot by five foot little cage. Um, she's saving them animals. There's no doubt about that. That she is doing good by doing what she is doing there, and doing good by you know trying to pass laws, I guess, to to stop. The, 
the, I guess, the general public just being able to buy a tiger on a whim. Um, you know, that'll look nice in the garden. Um, <laughs> so I, I totally understand that she's doing good there. But I think it is very, very, very murky waters in terms of what they're all doing. They're all caging wild animals. Like at the end of the, at the end of the day, like in in terms of that, they're all in the wrong. I mean, it kind of leads us on to the next part, which is um, it shows the results of what happens when people go to the extreme and they buy loads of these animals, and then uh, the animal rights a- activists come along and mm-hmm. release them all, and it causes massive chaos overall. There's a bit where it shows you. Like all these, uh, like tigers, these, um, I think there's a bear or so in there as well. There's, um, yeah, like lions, tigers, and all that stuff. Yeah, panthers, they're all like just lying dead, um, in like a massive heap because, like, some person has bought all these animals from like all these zoos when they probably got too old to be handled by people. Um, and then obviously, some animal rights activists come along, set them free, you know with good intentions overall, but they basically just got massacred because the police yeah, are not going to, as soon as they come off their I mean, land. Is, like, even that, like, I get, like, I get the activists' point of view of, you know, them not agreeing with these animals being in, in the situations they're in. I totally, totally understand that. But by releasing them in the way that they do, it ends up with those animals dying. So really, it's, again, very tough. It, well, it, it ends up with those animals dying pr- pretty much most definitely because if they're out uh, amongst the public, there's a, a, a great likelihood that they will attack. So therefore, the authorities of 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 wherever this place is then have to take action which ends up in the death of these animals and ends up in that scene where you see you know what the 10 of them lying in a heap dead like so uh, would the the activists (laughs) say that uh, that that by th- those animals dying in that situation is better than them being kept where they are. Is is that the point, or is it a point? Because I think they do it because then it creates like mass hysteria. It then grabs media attention on on these places that house these animals, and obviously, you know, if these animals did when they were set free attack any any individuals um as horrendous as that would be uh it would create a huge media buzz which in turn could then create legislation i suppose to to stop these animals being held captive um but it's just a very it's it's a it's a rather dark way of going about it It's difficult because then the documentary goes on to show that they're trying to uh, like pass laws to stop, you know, the, you know, the ownership Mm -hmm. of these animals. 
and this obviously gets Joe kind of all riled up um, and he gets interviewed on the news uh, like in the aftermath of you know those animals being slaughtered and stuff and he says that if they come to try come to try to take uh, his cubs and his uh, his tigers and that there would be a small Waco on on their hands which I looked up because that, I'm not familiar no, I was with that say, I'm not, I'm not um, either. I've, I've not either, I've not looked into it so Waco is referring to uh, it's like a, the Waco siege of uh, 1993 it's in Texas <laughs> basically what happened was there was a religious sect called um, the Branch Davidsons, um, and basically, the U.S. the U.S. government thought that they were gonna. They had like they had basically like loads right. and loads of weapons on this. Um, so what was it community. like? A community and, slash cult. Yeah, yeah, it was like a cult, and and they thought that uh, they were gonna do a Jonestown and kill everybody, like kill themselves or kill you know just go on like what a whole rampage. spree kind of thing. Um, yeah, like so. Because it was kind of like really sketchy what it was, and what happened was um, because they were so concerned, they that they were gonna you know take it to, take yeah. it to the extreme. Um, there was a massive like siege overall, and it was like the the was it ATF agents, the the, the government agents stuff going in there, and it lasted fifty one wow. days. Like uh, like a like a big a siege, bloodbath, for them. I and imagine. it resulted it resulted in eighty six wow. deaths, um, and four of those were uh, mm-hmm. like these agents. The rest and, were uh, Yeah, and then sixteen were like w- wounded and stuff. But it was yeah, a massive. Do you know if they ever found out if that was. was the plan for this group to go and attack or uh, to kill themselves, or were they, uh, you know, um. America loves they, their guns. They apparently, de- um, you know, they denied. They denied. Said there was no plan for mm-hmm. mass suicide. Um, but you know, it's it's just when there's a cult involved and there's yeah, guns it's involved, dangerous. And it's very kind dangerous. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so you can totally understand the authorities uh, having to to take some kind of action. No, but it's still terrible. Oh yeah, it's, it's horrible. The, the amount of people I, that I mean, died. You can understand like, them like, trying to take some kind of action. But you would hope at least that maybe, uh, you know, I think this is a bit of a problem in our world, um, probably has been for mm. a long time, is the fact that sometimes actions, like drastic actions like that, are taken sometimes before talking. Um, and sometimes yeah. things can actually be solved through actually talking, communicating, and, and understanding. Um but again, I, I, I don't know anything about it. I don't know if, if it was a case of, you know, maybe they sent in, maybe they sent in spies. Maybe they sent in, you know, maybe there was information that this was going to happen. And then yeah. then I guess you could understand them having to go in and and take things into their own hands. Um Again, kind of kind of murky waters without knowing, you know, factual stuff about it. So, obviously, Joe's up on like a rampage about this, and he says all this, and it leads him to go into a gun store and buy loads of guns. He bought, he buys, well, not loads of guns. He buys loads of bullets anyway, and he buys explosives. And so, hang on, what has... was that? What was that thing called? That uh, that that uh, group? It was called the. 
they were called the. No, Dutch, but what was the situation uh, called? Oh, it's called the Waco season. Yeah, yeah. Of so, so um, I was going to say I don't think you said what uh, what Joe what Joe referred to why he or how he referred to it to the camera to the news crew. Oh, he he referred to it as a small yeah. Waco. So it was like saying. So basically, of he's that. saying um, if 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 people tried to come in and take my animals, then there would be a small Waco. So it, effectively, him saying, you know, you try and take my animals, and I will. I'll take I'll take the law into my own hands and uh, dispose of you, you know, in a bloodbath. I guess I guess that's kind of it's it's, it's kind of a bit of a threat, right? Like, yeah, I mean, because there's like signs all over the thing. You see, like signs all over the thing saying we uh, we don't call nine one one. We and it yeah, has, yeah, like, a basically saying we'll we'll deal stuff, with our own like, problems. We... Um, yeah. Um... Which, like, so it shows him going to a gun store. It shows him buying like a uh, bullets and all that, and yeah, I, like this massive. On, uh, like, I guess rifle. in America as well, isn't that like hmm. a part of law? Like, if you trespass on someone's property, you have the right to shoot. So yeah, yeah. As far as I can so, tell, it's I mean... a threat, but it's also, I guess, like, I mean, I guess, and there'd be a lot of Americans that would say that, you know, if if a if a trespasser came into my house, I would, yeah, you know, unload bullets. <laughs> so I, but you, but you can tell that he is, he's putting it out there as, as a, a threatening way of, you know, you mess with my shit and, you know, you will, you will pay basically. Um, I think he even says at one point, um, Something along the lines of, uh, uh, I I guarantee you, before you take any of my animals away, you'll you won't you what you won't be breathing. So again, a, a, another yeah, he, threat. Like before you take them away, you will be killed. Yeah, I actually wrote that down. Actually, he uh, he does it on these like uh, internet show. He says for Carol and all her friends out there, it is my belief that before you bring me down. You will stop breathing. <laughs> Those are uh, <laughs> like, that's uh, yeah, that's a pretty hefty statement. I don't. The thing is, I don't know how he could get away. I mean, if you did that in the UK, if you said like, um, like if you know, I'll basically kill you, kind of thing. Like that's essentially a threat, and you could probably be done yeah, for. Yeah, but again, it's, it's different in America, uh, isn't it? Because like your property is is your property, and you you know you, you've got the um. You're you're fully within your power to use firearms if 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 someone trespasses. So I don't know if it would be viewed as the same unless you're actually going up to a person and you know maybe waving a gun in their face and and threatening them that way, um, you know, off of your property. Then I could you know in in the American system of of the way things are done, then I I could understand getting in trouble for that. But I I guess it would be no different to having, like, I guess the closest thing we've got to it in this country is someone having on their door, beware of the dog. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, a, like it's, it, it, it's a threat. It's, a, you know, you come in and you will deal with the consequences of my dog attacking you. Uh, let's just swap a dog for a gun. 
Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, beware of our dogs. Be careful. Like, we, like I mean, you can say beware of the tigers. Beware of, uh, beware of the lions. We'll just let them loose. <laughs> like, it's, it's America, man. Um, it's America. I don't know. Well, I mean, any Americans out there, if if we're completely wrong about this, please correct us. Send in like a message and let us know. Um, because I, I can look into this after this, the podcast anyway. But it'd be if you want to correct mm-hmm. us, go for it. Um, because I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah, and when uh, I say it's America, American I'm not laws. saying like that it's bad or good. Like, so please don't take it that way. Um, but it, it's, it's it's yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's vastly different to to. How, how we live in this country. Um, so it's just, you know, it's kind of, um, well, yeah, just very different. I, I, I couldn't even think about, uh, well, I can't even think about weaponry in the home like that because it's just, it's illegal. Here. No. Uh, it's not allowed. We, we just have strong conversations <laughs> and hope for the best. A lot of finger pointing. <laughs> yeah. So... Joe goes to the shop, buys explosives, buys pellets, and he has a Carol doll. Well, I mean, he has like a mannequin that he's kind of put a dress on. <laughs> um, and it, like the whole episode ends with him shooting at some explosive that's attached to the doll yeah. and blowing it up. And he basically says, "Oh, Carol, this yeah. this would be you." It's basically him. Um, like he, I think he, oh, I, I won't know it word for word, but again, he's like he's making kind of loose threats that if if. If if you your people your associates or or any of these animal rights activists try to come in here and um, you know uh, destroy my world that I've built for myself, um, then these will be the consequences. And I think the next shot is him with uh, I don't know if it's a shotgun or a rifle, um, but yeah, I think a shotgun. And he's shooting into a lake like. and full-on power and then the next bit you've got this mannequin um not dressed up at this point um but it's like tied to a tree or something in fact it must be a different mannequin because this one blows up um and he's obviously put this i don't know whether it's gunpowder or what and attached it to the mannequin and he shoots at that and it just explodes um yeah kind of uh well let me tell you, I definitely wouldn't be going in there to try anything. <laughs> yeah, and then it comes to like four years later, and he's in the Grady County Jail. Uh, it's in 2019, so it's only last year. Um, and he ends it with saying, before this is all over with, I'm going to shut yeah. everybody down. And that's it. So that was the first episode. Um, I am excited to get into the next one. It's there's just so much, so much. Like considering we've talked about this for, it, I mean, it, it for so like, long obviously already. usually with um, with documentaries, uh, maybe not so much these days. But um, you know, with the you know with Netflix and all that, you're getting more kind of episodic uh, documentaries. Um, but you know, initially a documentary would usually be a a kind of one and done. You know, um, like here's what we're um, Here's what we're showing to you, and it's in one, say, maybe uh, one-hour format or maybe longer, uh, maybe slightly shorter. Um, So, yeah, like, even this this first episode feels like a mini-documentary in itself. 
because there is just so much to it. Um, but yeah, but yeah. It, it does a very, very, very good job of um, making you want to come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying yeah. to see the next episode. I can't wait. It's going to be... We'll try to have it out in the next um, mm-hmm. day or two after this, so um, yeah. we shouldn't have to wait too long. Um, if you if you want to have a rewatch with us and uh, just rewatch the first one, listen to this, and then and then we're going to the next one. Well, be, well, even uh, like you said, um, like on on watching this first episode for a second time, like because obviously we need to make notes and things. Um, but you again, it's another one of those ones where. I think you're so enamored with the first watching of it. Um, like just because there is so much going on. Um, it covers a subject that I would say not a lot of us have really any experience in, um, you know, unless you work in that world. Um, so yeah, there is, there's just, there's so much going on and, like you said, in, in the second watch, like you kind of noticed things that you didn't pick up on the first watch. So, you know, if you have already seen it, um, I'd say it's one of those one of those documentary uh, programs that that you could easily I mean, you could easily go back and watch it anyway, because it, it is quite entertaining um, as a piece. Um and and like you say, there's always always with a second watch you can you can pick up more than you got from the first watch. Even if you want to take screenshots for memes and make your own <laughs> memes out of this, and that's it for the first episode. Thanks so much for listening. Um, if you want to send us an audio message or an email or just contact us on the social medias, we're on Twitter, we're on uh, Instagram. We want to hear Facebook. from you. Yeah, we want to hear from you. Um, and if you respond to us, we'll put you in the next episode towards the end and we'll do some idea. feedback. Um, and if we don't get that, we'll just make <laughs> it up. <laughs> Mr. Snub so... from uh, Springfield says. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, also, um, leave us a, a review and a rating and stuff on iTunes because that helps. Um, if if you want to do that. I don't know. If you listen to iTunes anyway. Um but that's it. This I'm gonna stop rambling. I'm gonna go edit this and on to episode two. Um on to episode two. So come back in a couple of days, subscribe and you'll see it in your feed. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>